This week, Serta Simmons, Heritage, Power, File, Chapter 11, Reorg publishes analyses of Party City Dish Network. Hello and welcome to the Reorg Podcast, where I bring the latest developments in high yield to stress debt and bankruptcy. I'm David Zupkis. We'll be taking a brief recess from our deep dive segment this week. We'll be back soon with more premium content. It's Friday, January 27th. Reorg published an analysis this week examining the current situation at DISH, DISH's liquidity profile, cap structure, and organization, and also provides a high-level overview of DirecTV and explores DISH Pay TV and DirecTV merger considerations. While DISH has placed approximately $3.5 billion in 600 MHz Spectrum license-backed secured notes after the third quarter, the company's separate Pay TV-focused DISH DBS credit box has $1.5 billion of unsecured notes due March 15 that remain outstanding. Secular pay TV pressures driven by price-sensitive cord-cutting subscribers and increasing content rights fees continue to squeeze DBS's margin and cash flows. These pressures raise increasing uncertainty as to whether the company can use the operations solely within the standalone DBS box to address its future debt maturities. Further, in addition to considerable maturities at DBS, including another $2 billion due in 2024, the non-DBS dish credit box is in the process of a multi-billion dollar 5G broadband service network built out with $10.25 billion of maturities due through 2026. The company's post-third quarter debt interests are secured by DISH's 600MHz Spectrum licenses and have been raised outside of the DBS box, which holds the majority of the pay TV assets. DBS finished the third quarter with $555 million of liquidity. Rear anticipates that liquidity at the DBS credit box will be very tight to meet its art March 15th obligation. For more in-depth information detailing the company's financial trends and performance to its analysis, please reach out to a Rear representative. At Tuesday's first day hearing in the Serta Simmons betting Chapter 11 cases, Judge David Jones granted the bulk of the request of first day relief, including interim dip approval of access to $35 million of the $125 million dip facility from third-party lender Eclipse Business Capital. The focus of the hearing, however, was preview of the conflict between the Gibson Dunn represented ad hoc group of majority super priority lenders, or PTL lenders, which is part of the RSA, underpinning the plan, and the Paul Weiss represented ad hoc group, which consists of non PTL first lien lenders left out of the debtor's contested 2020 up tier exchange transaction. Two groups of non PTL lenders have sued to unwind the 2020 up tier transaction. Debtors look to fully resolve the up-tier exchange litigation in the bankruptcy proceedings through an adversary proceeding filed concurrently with the petition, seeking a declaratory judgment that the 2020 transaction was valid under the terms of the first lien loan documents, effectively subordinating the holdout non-PTL lenders to the PTL lenders. The debtors' RSA-based plan would equitize the remaining non-PTL first lien claims and reduce funded debt by as much as $1.6 billion, leaving only $300 million of new take-back term loan debt and a potential ABL rolled up from the debt facility on the reorganized company's balance sheet. Non-PTL lenders are not part of the RSA and are slated to receive only a small fraction of reorganized equity, subject to a planned voting death trap. The non-PTL group has filed a statement and reservation of rights discussing their removal of one of the pre-petition actions to the Southern District of New York from a New York State court and asked that the court adjourn certain related matters in the Chapter 11 case. At the first day hearing, Judge Jones concluded that the issues implicated by the up-tier exchange were not particularly hard and would not necessarily require expert evidence. Judge Jones said that he wanted to prioritize bankruptcy matters and the stabilization of the business. Noting the retail nature of the debtor's businesses, Judge Jones said he was prepared to move quickly in the restructuring. After being driven into bankruptcy due to inflationary pressures, supply chain headwinds, helium shortages, and a weakening macroeconomic outlook, Party City plans to implement its turnaround by modernizing its stores and optimizing its lease portfolio. This week, we published an analysis of the company's plan. 
The company projects EBITDA will bottom out in 2023 at 121 million and return to 2019 levels of 270 million in 2025, driven by average revenue growth of over 6% in 2024 and 2025 and margin expansion of 600 BIPs over that time span. The company's ability to meet these projections, however, hinges on capturing a management-estimated sales uplift of 6% in year one of each store upgrade, returning to marginal growth in the base business and benefiting from the abatement of supply chain and helium challenges after 2023. While Party City's turnaround initiatives appear focused on its retail segment, the wholesale segment appears to generate most of the company's EBITDA and cash flow based on information provided in the company's January 18th cleansing materials. To access Reorg's full in-depth analysis of Party City, please reach out to a Reorg representative. Heritage Power, a Houston-based power generation company, filed for Chapter 11 protection on Tuesday in the Bankruptcy Court for the Southern District of Texas, with an RSA in place that would deleverage the debtor's balance sheet through a debt-for-equity swap of substantially all the debtor's first lien secured debt and rejection of their allegedly burdensome contracts. The RSA was entered into with Genon Holdings, which indirectly wholly owns the debtors as a portfolio company and an ad hoc committee of term lenders holding approximately 80% of pre-petition term loans. The RSA contemplates that the restructuring transaction will be completed within 11 months after the petition date. The company attributed the bankruptcy filing to decreasing capacity prices, substantial payment obligations under a heat rate call option at its Shavo plant, increased maintenance costs, and other significant contractual obligations resulting in a debt load that can no longer be serviced by the diminished forecasted cash flows from the debtor's businesses. Debtors are facing declining capacity revenue, which is its principal source of revenue. Debtors point to a change in the Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland Regional Transmission Organization, or PGM, capacity market rules over the last several auctions, a result of which the company's capacity revenue declined from $112.9 million in 2021-2022 to a projected $69.5 million for 2022-23 and $37.5 million for 2023-24. Through the planned equitization transaction, the debtors are seeking to restructure approximately $484.6 million in term loan claims, approximately $32.27 million in revolving loan claims, the Shawville heat rate call option claims, all of which are first lien claims. The restructuring would also address non-first lien claims that include the Newcastle heat rate call option, general unsecured claims, which include first lien deficiency claims, and existing equity interests. Under the plan, first-lien lenders receive equity with their share diluted by equity used to provide backstop consideration for participation in exit facility, participation rights in the exit facility, and take back debt in an amount to be determined by consenting creditors. First-lien lenders would also have a cash-out option to forego the above distribution and instead receive a pro-rata share of a $25 million cash pool. At Wednesday's first day hearing, Christopher, Judge Christopher Lopez approved the debtor's requested relief on a largely uncontested basis. Top red stories this week included Genesis to run dual sales process and reorganization. The plan proposes guck equitization and absence of sale negotiations with stakeholders ongoing. Court opinion review. Revisiting the retail playbook in Party City and Bath. Endo, TAC European leverage finance trends. How covenants evolve in 2022. The easy way out. Celsius deposits at risk. Reorganized Highland seeks Supreme Court review of permissible scope of plan exculpation provisions. Points to circuit split on protections for estate professionals. And now here's Kathy from Los Angeles with the week ahead. Hello, this is Kathy Ta. Things will kick off next week on Monday, January 30th, when the block by debtors will seek approval of bidding procedures for the sale of substantially all of their assets. The debtors say this will provide them with optionality as they look to expedite resolution of their Chapter 11 cases. The U.S. trustee opposes the relief, saying it is premature without a stocking horse bidder. Also on Monday, the Edison Trust offshore-affiliated Nautical Solutions debtors will be in court for their second day hearing. The debtors will be seeking final approval of their cash collateral and intercompany arrangements motions. The non 
non-supporting ad hoc term loan lender group has renewed their objection to cash collateral relief, maintaining that their rights are not adequately protected and that they do not consent to use of their cash collateral. Turning to Tuesday, January 31st, the all-year holdings plan of reorganization will be up for confirmation. The plan, based on the debtor's recent settlement of plan-related issues with plan sponsor paragraph partners, and the notes trustee is overwhelmingly supported by the sole voting class, class four remaining unsecured claims. The debtor has received only one objection to date from Zalik Weiss, the co-owner of the William Vale Hotel with the debtor. The confirmation hearing may extend into Wednesday, February 1st, as necessary. In Puerto Rico on Wednesday, February 1st, Judge Laura Taylor Swain is slated to hear oral argument on summary judgment motions in the lien challenge adversary proceeding in the Puerto Rico Electric Authority cases. The suit filed by the PROMESA Oversight Board challenges the security and recourse rights of PREPA bondholders with this round of summary judgment limited to these two gating issues. Also on Wednesday, the core scientific debtors will be seeking final approval of financing with the ad hoc convertible note holder group. The debtors face several objections, including from the Committee of Unsecured Creditors. The committee contends that it is clear the debtors do not require any additional financing beyond the $37.5 million funded under the interim dip order. The reverse mortgage debtors will also be pressing for final dip approval at their second day hearing on Wednesday, February 1st, saying go forward financing is essential to avoid an immediate conversion of their Chapter 11 cases. The debtors are continuing to work with former dip lender Leadenhall, the UCC and parent BNGL holdings over the direction of their Chapter 11 cases. However, certain critical issues remain unresolved, according to the debtors. Scheduled also for Wednesday is a status conference in Genesis Global, where the debtors will discuss the need for potential mediation if case parties do not reach an agreement. The debtors entered bankruptcy last Thursday, January 19th, with plan in hand to drive a global resolution with their largest borrower and corporate parent digital currency group and other lenders. On Thursday, February 2nd, the rep on debtors and their brand co-lenders will press for dismissal of the 2016 term lender suit challenging the April 2020 brand code transactions. The term lender sued the debtors and the brand code lenders in October 2022, seeking to unwind the transactions that subordinated the term lenders' claims to those of the brand code lenders. As for earnings, we'll be watching out for reports from Peloton and Lynette on Wednesday, February 1st. That's it for me from Los Angeles on this Friday, January 27th. Now back to you in New York. Join Reorg Senior Legal Analyst on Wednesday, February 8th, as we discuss the trends in leverage loan and high-yield bond covenants in the latest episode of the Reorg webinar series, European Leverage Finance Trends, How Covenants Evolved in 2022. Register now at reorg.com or email marketing at reorg.com for further information. We send a weekly roundup of Reorg content ranging from breaking news to in-depth financial and legal analysis, as well as the latest podcasts you can listen to and webinars you can register for. Sign up for the newsletter at reorg.com. Thank you again for listening to this Reorg Weekly Review. Find all our podcasts on the reorg.com webinars and podcast page, as well as Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Amazon. Hope your families are healthy and safe. Have a great weekend and see you next Friday.